at just the right time and under the right circumstances, God sent his son, Jesus Christ, into this world. Jesus came to rescue humanity from sin and God's judgment. And the good news is those who put their faith in Jesus through his death on the cross, burial and resurrection, who trust Christ can be forgiven and live with God forever. So I'm going to say it again. At just the right time and under the right circumstances, Jesus Christ was born. God the Father orchestrated all the events so that God the Son could take on flesh, enter humanity as a Savior and the King. And the birth story is in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. And what you find in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John is a display of the providence of God from every single detail surrounding the birth, from the engagement of Mary and Joseph to the divine conception by the Holy Spirit. And then Joseph wanting to separate from Mary, but convinced by an angel to stay. The decree of a census forcing Mary and Joseph to leave Nazareth. And they eventually land in Bethlehem, and Jesus is born. And many of the details involved in the birth story, as we know, fulfill Old Testament prophecies. And as believers, we know that God is behind every single detail surrounding the birth of Jesus. I want to make sure we're all going to agree here for a moment here. If you follow Jesus, believe the word of God. I want to make sure you're agreement with me. Every single detail surrounding the birth of Jesus, from the prophecies, the supernatural, to the census, every single detail was orchestrated by God in his perfect plan. Uh, just, just humor me, nod at me. Yes, I agree with that, right? Okay, all right, you're with me. If that's true, every single detail was under God's control in order to accomplish God's plan through Jesus, and you believe that, then how come, I'm just asking, how come when it comes to your life, you're not so sure? You're not so sure that every detail, encounter, relationship, job, firing, go to bed, wake up, how come you're not so sure that that's playing into some plan that God has to control? And you may be like, well, I've not seen any angels. Telling me what to do. Joseph at least had an angel telling him what to do. Mary had an I don't, I don't have any angels. Okay, I'll give you the angel thing. Sure. There's some angels. There's some supernatural things happening, right? But on a whole, would you not agree that most of the events surrounding the birth story are boring, mundane, from a census? Ooh, that's a big deal. Traveling. Oh, wow, he travels. They show up at an inn. There's no room. Jesus is born. What I'm trying to do is encourage you this morning is to think about not just the big ways that God may lead your life through some supernatural occurrence. That may happen. But on a whole, generally, God is piecing together the little stuff that you're 
probably not even paying attention to that's happening on your everyday, mundane, boring life. He's piecing all these things together and he is putting together a plan for your good and for his glory. And we could say the same God is orchestrating the birth of Jesus to save the world is the same God that's orchestrating the events in your life for you, for the glory of God and for your good. Now, I'm pretty excited this morning because I get to talk about my favorite subject. And my favorite subject is to talk about the providence of God. I'm so pumped about this subject that at my last church, my last church was called the Christian and Missionary Alliance Church of Santa Monica, California. I thought that was rather long. I said, let's rename the church to Providence. It worked. So Providence. I love talking about Providence. And here this morning, for our purposes, I'm going to give you a quick little definition of Providence. Let me put it up for you. Providence is God's sovereign control to orchestrate events for your good and his glory. Let me say it again. Providence is God's sovereign control to orchestrate events for your good and his glory. Now, I know the subject may be difficult, but providence does not leave out your decisions. Your decisions, when you make choices, that's all playing part, even, even your foolish choices. Somehow it's all playing a part in the providence of God, that he's sovereignly in control, taking your choices behind it all. He's, he's crafting all the events in the life of the believer, so when it's all said and done, and even in the process, it's happening for your good and for his glory. And it's easy to believe in the birth story of Jesus, but when it comes to our life, we're not, not so sure. But the Bible is very clear that God is he's crafting all the details for your good, for his glory. And we're going to see a little bit of that today as we jump back into 1 Samuel. We've been studying the book of 1 Samuel this whole fall, and today we find ourselves in chapter 9. I know you, you, many of you had Thanksgiving break, so you forgot what we talked about last time. Two weeks ago, let me bring you up to speed. Two weeks ago, we saw Israel throwing off the authority of God and clamoring for an earthly king. And though God re- granted their request, he was not pleased with them, but yet he gave them a king. He was going to give them a king because he wants to protect them. Now, it won't be like the king they wanted to mimic the nations, but it will nonetheless be an earthly king. Now, the way this kingship's going to come about starts in chapter 9. Chances are, I don't know if you've read this story before. And if you did, you probably don't remember it. So this morning's going to be a story that you probably don't remember. Maybe you've never read before. And you're going to wonder, why in the world is that there? Because it's a lot of mundane, minutiae details that is quite Maybe, in your mind, boring, but it's interesting. Let's get into it, all right? Start with chapter 9, verse 1. There was a man of Benjamin whose name was Kish, the son of Abiel, son of Zerar, son of Bacharoth, son of Aphia, a Benjamite, a man of wealth. And he had a son whose name was Saul, a handsome young man. There was not a man among the people of Israel more handsome than he. From his shoulders upward, he was taller than any of the people. Kish from the tribe of Benjamin, a man of wealth, we are told, had a son named Saul. And we are told that Saul is a good-looking guy. 
In fact, we're, we're told that there is not a man among the people of Israel more handsome than he. He is good-looking and he is tall. We'll get more into why this matters at another sermon. But it's the perfect king that people would want. A tall, good-looking guy. Now, I remember, I'm going to be a little vulnerable before you now, if you don't mind. Um, hopefully, my staff will not bring this up to me later. But I remember, when I was in college, I was once in a beauty contest. I mean, why do I share these things? I do not know. Um, it was put on by a sorority, and I got a strong arm to be in it. And I, I, I just want to tell you, it's probably the most, one of the most embarrassing things I ever did. And... Uh, I was, oh, it's so out of place. But anyway, the guys would come on the stage to be introduced. Guy comes out wearing his football gear, being all cool. Guy comes out riding his skateboard, being all hip. And then I come out carrying a tennis racket. Still like such a freak up there. So I play tennis, and oh, it felt terrible. And so they're, they're going from each guy, and they're just asking one question. And the question is this. What would you like to ask a girl on the first date? Oh, no. And I'm at the end of the line. Then they go to the first guy and the second guy. And the, the answers they're giving are just crazy, inappropriate. And the audience is screaming, hooting, hollering. And I'm thinking, oh, this is terrible. Because it's coming down to me. I'm like, what am I going to say? And I'm a Christian. I don't, I'm not going to say what they're saying. And so that they come to me. And, and they said, okay, what would you like to ask a girl on the first date? And I said, I, I would like to ask a girl on the first date, uh, are, are you that good Christian girl I'm looking for? And, and when I said that, the audience was silence, solely silence. And get this guy out of here. And you know what? I did not win. You, you know who won? Saul won, right? Everybody wanted Saul. Nobody wanted David. Okay, that was, that was a good one. You got to admit, that was good. That was a good one. All right, back to verse 3. Here we go. Now the donkeys of Kish, Saul's father, were lost. So Kish said to Saul, his son, Take one of the young men with you and arise. Go and look for the donkeys. This is a big deal. As the donkeys would be worth a lot of money, it, it would be like you're missing a few paychecks. So Kish sends out Saul and a young servant to go look for the donkeys. <laughs> now notice all the places they look for the donkeys. Verse 4. And he passed through the hill country of Ephraim and passed through the land of Shalishah, but they did not find them. And they passed through the land of Shalim, but they were not there. Then they passed through the land of Benjamin, but did not find them. They could have just gone out, found the donkeys, Come back in the story. But in God's providence, each territory they're going in, no donkeys. <laughs> Let the boring details continue. Verse 5. When they came to the land of Zuf, Saul said to his servant who was with him, Come, let us go back, lest my father cease to care about the donkeys and become anxious about us. But he said to him, Behold, there is a man of God in the city, and he is a man who is held in honor. All that he says comes true. So let us go there. Perhaps he can tell us the way we should go. Then Saul said to his servant, But if we go, what can we bring the man? For the bread in our sacks is gone, and there is no present to bring 
to the man of God. What do we have? The servant answered Saul again, Here, I have with me a quarter of a shekel of silver, and I will give it to the man of God to tell us our way. Formerly in Israel, when a man went to inquire of God, he said, Come, let us go to the seer. For today's prophet was formerly called a seer. And Saul said to his servant, Well said, come, let us go. So they went to the city where the man of God was. What the, why is this here? This is such mundane matters. Saul's like, let's go home. Dad's going to worry. But the servant's like, you know what? I remember that there was this prophet, who is unnamed for now, that just so happened to be in this town that time. So maybe he could help us. And Saul's like, well, well I don't see the point of visiting a prophet because we, no, we have no bread to give him. And the servant's like, uh, I got a quarter. I got a quarter of silver. We can give that to him. And, and I like Saul's response. He's like, well said. Come, let's go. It's, <laughs> what is this? It's, just, it's all so routine, nonchalant, and bland. Remember, they're just looking for donkeys. Remember that, all right? Verse 11. As they went up the hill to the city, they met young women coming out to draw water and said to them, Is the seer here? They answered, He is. Behold, he is just ahead of you. Hurry. He has come just now to the city because the people have a sacrifice today on the high place. As soon as you enter the city, you will find him before he goes up to the high place to eat. For the people will not eat till he comes, since he must bless the sacrifice. Afterward, those who are invited will eat. Now go up, for you will meet him immediately. They're, they're headed toward Ramah, and as they're going there, they just so happen to bump into some women. And this woman seems to be drawing some water at the time, and they, they ask her if the seer, the prophet member, is in the city, and she says, oh yeah, he just came in. And she said, he is just ahead of you. Hurry. He has come just now to the city. Uh, are you starting to follow along with the timing of these events? This is a perfectly timed event from God. Verse 14. So they went up to the city. As they were entering the city, they saw Samuel coming out toward them on his way up to the high place. Saul? And Samuel collide at this special God-ordained meeting. Saul was just minding his business, following a normal routine, searching for donkeys. He did not wake up and think, I'm going to lose my donkeys. He did not think, I'm going to search all day. He did not think, and you know, I'm going to have a special meeting at the end of the day with the most important person in Israel. He's just, just doing his thing in collision. God totally planned that. This past fall, someone was uh, making fun of me because I gave the same answer to the same question two times in a row. I was at a certain location, and this one pastor uh, uh, approached me, and he said, How's it going? And I said, I'm just doing my thing. And we talked for about 15 minutes. Minutes, and another pastor came up, and, and while we were talking, and, and this other pastor said, hey, how's it going? And I said, I'm just doing my thing. And that first pastor's like, what do you mean? 
What does that mean you're just doing your thing? I don't understand. What are you, why are you saying that? And, and what I mean is that my life is not exciting. There may be a lot going on, but it's just simple routine of doing the same thing over and over again. And at times I can have these huge reports of things happening, but but on a day-to-day basis, I'm just looking for donkeys. I'm just chasing donkeys. I should get a t-shirt that says donkey hunter. I mean, I mean, that sounds exciting. I'm the donkey hunter, but it's not very exciting. It's just routine. It's boring. It's mundane. It sounds a lot like your life, right? I mean, sometimes you have these big things that happen, but generally, you're just, you got, you're waking up, you're doing the routine, you're going to school, you're going to work, you're coming home, you're going to bed, and then you sleep. What's going to happen the next day? Oh, you're going to wake up, you're going to go to school, you're going to go to work, come home, go, it's like, right, it's like donkey hunter, you too, yeah? It's this routine that we get in, nothing exciting, Minding our own business. But behind it all, something else is going on. Behind all the routines of Saul's life and your life, God is piecing together all this minutia and mundane details and he's putting something together. Something else is going on. Let's look. Verse 15. Now the day before Saul came, The day before, the Lord had revealed to Samuel, tomorrow, about this time, I will send to you a man from the land of Benjamin, and you shall anoint him to be prince over my people Israel. He shall save my people from the hand of the Philistines, for I have seen my people because their cry has come to me. So we are told specifically that God was orchestrating the mundane details all along. All these events were the details needed to bring Saul into leadership. From the lost donkeys, can't find him, see the women, collide with Samuel. All the details were leading up to an act of God's mercy and God's grace. Because the people, if you remember, stubbornly rejected God and they wanted a king. They wanted to be like all the other nations. But God doesn't throw them off in their foolishness, but he hears their cry. And even though the request is foolish, we are told that this was from the hand of the Lord to bring deliverance from the Philistines and to bring them mercy and grace. I I love this because even when I'm making foolish decisions, even when I feel like I am far from God, that even the details of my foolish decisions and God's providence for his children, he's orchestrating the events because he's going to bring grace and mercy to our lives. He's orchestrating our lives to collide more and more with his. And he does it often through mundane details. But Saul is about to be let in on what's going on. So far, clueless. Look at verse 17. When Samuel saw Saul, the Lord told him, Here is the man of whom I spoke to you. He it is who shall restrain my people. Then Saul approached Samuel in the gate and said, Tell me where is the house of the seer? Samuel answered Saul, I am the seer. Go up before me to the high place, for today you shall eat with me. And in the morning I will let you go, and I will tell you all that is on your mind. As for your donkeys, they were lost three days ago. Do not set your mind on them, for they have been found. And for whom is all that is desirable in Israel? Is it not for you? 
and for all your father's house? It's just astounding. Saul doesn't even know what Samuel looks like. There's no TV. There's no, no internet. There's no smart. He so he goes up to Samuel, doesn't even know who he is, and he asks Samuel where to find Samuel. And Samuel's like, okay, dude, listen. It's me. I'm Samuel. And by the way, your donkeys are fine. And oh, all of Israel is clamoring for you. All of Israel has set their affections on you. Are, are you Imagine Saul. He must have felt so shocked. He's just, I just want to know where my donkeys are. Here's a quarter. Can you, can you kill me? Where, I'm just looking for my donkeys. And Samuel's like, all of Israel is looking for you. What? It'd be like me taking my car to the gas station. I'm filling it up with gas, and I think, I would like some gum. So I go into the convenience store, and I'm buying some gum, and the Secret Service just surrounds me. And they say, Jason, the nation needs you. They want you to be president right now. Leave your car behind. It'll be okay. And, and you think, well, that doesn't make sense at all. That would, that is even, that, you say, that does not make sense. That does not follow our procedures. But think about Saul. Israel has never had a king. He just, what do you mean a king and not just me? Do you see the astounding thing that God is doing right here? He's going to take this donkey hunter and turn him into a king. Amazing. And Saul's response is great. This is, this is something I would say. Verse 21. Saul answered, uh, am I not a Benjamite from the least of the tribes of Israel? And is not my clan the humblest of all the clans of the tribe of Benjamin? Why then have you spoken to me in this way? His response is so appropriate. He's basically saying, what are you talking about? There must be a mistake. I'm from the least favorable tribe, and my clan is basically nothing. What are you even saying? Well, Samuel doesn't back off. He ups it a notch. Verse 22. Then Samuel took Saul and his young man and brought them into the hall and gave them a place at the head of those who had been invited, who were about 30 persons. And Samuel said to the cook, Bring the portion I gave you, of which I said to you, put it aside. So the cook took up the leg and what was on it and set them before Saul. And Samuel said, See, what was kept is set before you. Eat, because it was kept for you until the hour appointed that you might eat with the guests. Saul, so Saul ate with Samuel that day. Saul is now at the head of the table with about 30 people. He's probably getting the best portion of the animal, the portion that would be fit for the king. Once again, get this. He started the day simply looking for donkeys. And now he's at the head of the table on the way to becoming king. Saul was discovered. It's probably the dream of everybody in here. If someone could just discover me. If someone could just discover your awesomeness. And then your career would just take off. Or if you're single, you're like, if someone could just discover me, how great I am that I could get a date. It's, it's like, oh, we just, we just, we want to be discovered, right? Saul's not thinking that way. He's just waking up, lost his donkeys, trying to figure out how to get them back. He's just being faithful. And I think a good word for us may be, you know what? Quit worrying about being discovered. Just be faithful. I know the routine may seem mundane. 
It may seem boring. But if you could see beyond that to what God is doing in his sovereign plan, as he's, he's taking you this way, no, he's taking you that way. You're meeting this person, now you're meeting that person. You're taking this class, you're dropping this class. You got this job, you now have this job, you're running this person. You're in church, you're in the word. He's taking all these details and he's putting something together. Saul didn't see it. I don't think we ever see it going forward. We can turn around and go, oh, yeah, God, I see what you were doing. Now I know what you're doing. But as we go forward, we're like, God, I don't see what you're doing. And then we think, God, I know you did it back then, but you're not going to do it again. Uh, Yes, he will. Because he's still sovereign. And he's still in control. And if you're a believer, he's working for your good and for his glory and all the boring details and even the foolish decisions and missteps. He's taking it all and he's crafting it. Because he's God. He loves you. And he's in control. He was in control of all the details in the birth of Jesus Christ to bring about salvation through his life and death and resurrection. And if you were a believer, he took all these details that may seem mundane and he crafted them together to bring you to himself. And it may be uh, that you showed up on one boring Sunday and you heard the gospel and God used that to save you. Or maybe you're here this morning and you have yet to put your faith in Jesus Christ and you have just shown up here on Sunday morning. Maybe you came to hear some music. Uh, you're, you're just here and you've yet to believe. And I, I just want to say this to you. It's something to think about, okay? It may be that God in his love is hunting you. Maybe God is searching you out. Maybe God is chasing you. We are told that God so loved the world that he gave. He gave his son, Jesus Christ. And he did that because he wants us to have a relationship with him through Jesus' life and death and resurrection. And maybe this morning you have yet to believe. But I'm going to put it in your head. Perhaps God is hunting you with his love and his grace and his mercy and drawing you to himself And you may not see it. It may just seem like mundane details to you. But you're here right now. And I believe God put you here right now. And perhaps one of the reasons is to put your faith today in Jesus Christ. So my brothers and sisters, I'll leave you with this. Most of life is not exciting. It's a lot of mundane. It's a lot of details. It's a lot of chasing, looking for trying to find donkeys. And I know we want to be discovered, but we need to focus on just being faithful to what's before us next and trusting God in the pain, the distractions, the missteps, that he's still in control and he's still working for your good and for his glory. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you that you have a history of intervening in human affairs. We saw it in all the details of Saul becoming king. We see it in all the details of Jesus becoming king in his life and death and resurrection. 
Sometimes we have a hard time seeing it in our life. Sometimes we have a hard time believing that all the stuff that's happening and our missteps and sin and foolishness, we just have a hard time seeing. Sometimes we just feel like you're not a part of this daily mess or this daily routine or we want to break out of it, have things to be more exciting. God, you're in control and help us to trust you, to trust you. Trust you in the pain, trust you in the sadness, but really just sometimes just trust you when things just are just boring and mundane. You are there and you are working and you've not left us. You're drawing us near to you. You're hunting us after your love. So help us to trust, to believe that you are working for our good and for your glory. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.